Good morning, everyone. I am sorry that we still have to meet online, but I do believe it's short term. I would like to follow up on last week's topic of spiritual warfare. As we shared, the cross was the decisive battle for the eternal soul of humanity, but it was not the end of the war. The fact is, the earth is still a war zone. However, the cross has ensured that we will not be victims in the cosmic battle between good and evil. Some fear we're in the end times facing a climactic Armageddon. I don't personally believe that is the case, but what if we are? If that is true, what would you do now differently? If it is not true, why not go all the way out now? The church has been in a spiritual battle, in fact, for the last 2,000 years. There's no doubt that there are some serious threats and crises that are rightfully of concern right now. The church is still here, and here to make a difference. But what we have to do is step up our spiritual capability to meet the present global challenges in our unique calling. While the cross was the decisive battle, the war with evil embedded in the human soul is not over. We still battle with principalities and powers, world forces of this present evil age. We are for the most part unfamiliar with doing battle in the spiritual arena. Most believers, in fact, fight the war against evil as if the cross had never happened. Good and evil is not just about human behavior. It is a spiritual dynamic, a spiritual life source that all humanity, in fact, draws from. The spiritual battle cannot be won by drawing from that same source. People everywhere define laws, rules of moral behavior, and try hard to live by them. We police and then employ fear and prosecution, guilt and shame, punishment to curb misbehavior. While laws, rules, and standards are both good and necessary, 6,000 years of human history are evidence that knowing what is right does not mean people will do what is right. The cross has changed that dynamic by opening a new and living way, albeit a hard-to-find narrow way. The new way is a new strategy for winning the war and provides new weapons that give the victory to the believer. As Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Before we get into the specifics of the weaponry, we need to have a framework of understanding to use them properly. Paul gave us this key. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The spiritual significance to death on the cross was that it represented the curse on humanity brought on by Adam's sin. In Adam, all die because all members of the human race, in fact, have sinned. The devil's nuclear legal weapon is, they are only human, and they are all mine. Jesus was human, yet sinless, even unto death on the cross. From the devil's position, Jesus was prosecuted and condemned simply on the charge of being human, since the devil had nothing else on him. The charge did not stand. The verdict was given, the Son of Man was declared the Son of God with power by the Spirit of Holiness who resurrected him as a man. 
Jesus took the devil's only human argument, judgment, and nailed it to the cross. Jesus reversed the curse. The word of the cross is now the authority and power of God that works powerfully toward us who believe. Wait until you receive power from on high, Jesus told the disciples. That power was the Holy Spirit that Jesus said he would send. Not that the Holy Spirit had ever been absent from the world, but he was being sent with a new mandate and a new mission that was reflected in his new titles, described in the New Testament as the Spirit of the Son, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He is, of course, the same Spirit, but with a new mission and mandate to be in us as the Spirit of the Son in the sons of God, as Christ in us. Hallelujah, Abba Father. Notice that the weapons we are given, according to that scripture, are powerful in the Holy Spirit. And that means only in the Holy Spirit. They will not work otherwise. Weapons by themselves would not accomplish the desired goal without following the winning strategy. That is the narrow way. The narrow way, in fact, is the organic partnership with God through the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Jesus took on human mortal life so that we could take on his eternal life. God has shown his determination to partner with humanity by becoming one with us. There could be no greater commitment to partnership than that. The winning strategy for us then is to live in partnership with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. So this fact points to the necessity of faith, that is trust, and obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit if we're going to do battle. As the Bible says, those who are sons are led by the Spirit. An army operates through following a chain of command that connects each soldier to the command and control center. Whatever challenge to our faith may come, God has promised a way of escape. Since Jesus was tested in every way, his spirit knows the way out of every challenge. Victory therefore comes, obviously, by following his lead. Next, we need to understand that there are, in fact, two theaters of spiritual battle, the internal and the external, and they are interdependent. Internally, the devil attempts to neutralize us individually and corporately by disconnecting us with the head through temptations, distractions, and misinformation, which are encumbrances that so easily beset us. We need our partnership with the Holy Spirit and the weapons to cast off these encumbrances. It is a constant and daily challenge. The internal battle needs to be won in order to engage with the external battle effectively. The reason we're still here on earth, however, is to partner with the Holy Spirit in the battle that is outside of ourselves. We must be about our Father's business. Focusing solely on the internal battle puts us into a siege mentality. We are here, in fact, to destroy the works of the devil and to liberate captives. The weapons of our warfare are effective for both internal and external theaters of battle. That's great news. So what are those weapons of righteousness for the right and the left hands that tear down strongholds? The answer is 
Everything in Christ is a weapon designed for us to be victorious on battlefield earth. They are divinely empowered weapons of the cross. So, for example, Paul says, put on the full armor of God. The helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the sandals of preparation to go. These are the protective body armor for you as a soldier and for the corporate church. We are encouraged to put them on. We should note that they are very uncomfortable pajamas to go to sleep in or to put on as loungewear to sit by the fire in the living room. It is equipment designed for the battlefield. Likewise, the gifts of the Spirit are weapons as well. Discernment is like the night vision goggles. Wisdom and knowledge, the good judgment and battlefield intelligence. Prophecy, the communication link and early warning system. Tongues, a sword, the empowered language of the Spirit that gives authoritative commands. Even the fruit of the Spirit are weapons. They empower us in our emotions. Give us bold motivation to act. Love, for example, casts out fear. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Peace speaks order into chaos and confusion. The free fruit of the Holy Spirit is designed to give endurance in the face of battle. We consume it to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. To strengthen us with all might in the inner man from the almighty source. These weapons work for the internal, but even more powerfully in the external battle zone. Battling in the external zone means taking the battle to the enemy-held territory. To know how, we follow the example that Jesus modeled. He modeled prayer, followed by words and deeds. Prayer is the connection to headquarters, the command and control center. We connect to get our marching orders. Those orders are our authority to engage with spiritual enemies and our mandate to act. That authorized partnership means spirit-empowered words and deeds are released in the name of the Lord. That is on His authority. Whether spectacular or not, they are always supernatural and will accomplish what they are sent to do. Lastly, let's look at the scope of the battle. The general does not always tell the soldiers in his command the whole strategy. Rather, he distributes specific objectives to those under his command to execute. Victory depends on each one doing his part by obeying the chain of command. Small, seemingly insignificant actions can have large-scale impact. While we're not privy to all of God's strategies, we are given a glimpse into the big picture from the scriptures. I need to say that the greatest threat to the church today is not the Antichrist, but rather the spirit of Antichrist, the lofty spirit that sets itself up to oppose the God-ordained partnership of the church with the Holy Spirit of Christ. The objective of the spirit of Antichrist is to keep the church earthbound, relying on human means, and thereby neutralize its supernatural restraining influence. That is its mandate. If successful, the outcome is apostasy, the great falling away. This great deception is an infection 
caused by lying spirits that entice the church to fall away from its covenant relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. When the spiritual restraint is removed, there is a spiritual vacuum that actually gives room for evil authoritarianism to rise. We need to avoid the error of the strong man, Samson, who betrayed his God-appointed source of strength for the appeal of what looked good to his own eyes. Samson's spiritual blindness cost him his natural eyes. Spiritual blindness in the church results in blindness even to the obvious. We are at an inflection point in the life of the church. There will be a sharp distinction between those who are following the lead of the Spirit and those who are not. My challenge to you today is to engage with the Holy Spirit. Put on the full armor, collect your weapons, and let's get to the battlefield. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that we are in a battle, but we do take courage from the fact that you have taken on our battle as your own. We ask you to train our hands for battle, to use the Holy Spirit empowered weapons that you have provided, that your work on the cross will come to its full victory here and now on earth through your church. We confess there are times we have been asleep even with our armor on. We declare today that we will arise to the sound of your trumpet call to battle. We yield now your strength in us. Amen. God bless you and thank you for listening.